Good afternoon, everybody. This is Corey Hepler with the Crazy Monkey Inc. podcast yet again. Good afternoon on this wonderful Saturday. It has been not too hot, not too cold, just kind of like in the middle, so I've been kind of well, it's been really, really liking it. Well, it's, been, it's, it's been really humid, but... This is actually good considering uh, considering the weather because we've had nothing but just like straight hot days the whole time. It really has. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like for those of you who don't know, you know, because St. George, we're out in the desert, um, and particularly Ivan's where 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 I live, you know, which is right next door to St. George. You know, it's like uh, yeah, pretty much. You're uh, during the summertime, especially. You're you're lucky if you get good rainy days. But yeah, I mean, we have not had rainy days for like two months. So. Exactly, and the likelihood of us getting a nice rainy day within the next couple of months is slim. But it still happens because we have yet to hit the monsoon season, which is just glorious humidity all around. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> no, but the problem is, is is when 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 you get into this, if you have the heat plus the humidity, eh, yeah, you 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 know, it's like, uh, well, I can just tell you, if you ever take a shower, you'll never feel like you're dry. It's almost like a fucko. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so uh, what we got on the agenda today? I am gonna touch on a couple of things because. Not only is Furious gaining tons of momentum, we have a new tier and a new special surprise when it hits to 3,000 pledged dollars. Oh yeah, for those that don't know, uh, and, and this is what's cool about what's going on for Furious for this last sort of like, uh, last week's push. Yeah. Um... Is uh, is the fact that we actually added some tier incentives for those who still want to pledge to the comic because there's still at least over a week. You got eight days. You still got eight days to pledge to this awesome Kickstarter. And first off, you know, once again, Brian uh, Brian Jail Glass. He's writing. He's writing this book. Awesome series. If you haven't read up on it, read up on it, check it out. It's awesome. The man is a veteran of the comic book industry. He's been in it. Um, since he's been he's been in it since the late '80s at least. Exactly. Um, the you know one, once again old time guy and uh, and he's got some excellent stories. Um, but like I said, but then there's also the goodies that have, are attached to the to this Kickstarter because now now the added incentive we have in addition to all the other stuff that's on the on the amount that you donate. If you help us get to two thousand, you will get. A uh, Victor Santos original print for Furious, and Victor Santos is the original co-creator of the Furious series with Brian, which is amazing. Yeah, and um, and and and, 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 and like I said, that 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 is if you hit two thousand, and with another special incentive, if you hit us hit three thousand. Michael Avon Oming, and if you don't know who this guy is, look him the hell up, because this guy has a huge amount of stuff that he's done. I mean, he's, he, he's got the type of catalog that when you look at it, your eyes just bulge. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, um, and, uh, you know, uh, and I said he's done so much stuff. He's done. He's I said he's done stuff for Marvel, DC, uh, Image, uh, 
Dark Horse. I mean, the guys, the guys work for almost like every major comic book company you can think of. This guy's probably done work for exactly. And you know, and, and you know, and and you know, and so so either way, if you hit, if you if you help us hit three thousand, Michael Avon Oming also will do another special print for Furious. Exactly, and I've got something amazing, and I'm really not trying to gloat, but I had to wait to get money to do this. I wanted to throw money towards this Furious Kickstarter for the longest time, and I was like, mm-hmm. God damn it, I don't have any money, what am I going to do? And then I finally got a decent enough paycheck that I threw some money towards this furious kickstarter yeah and i looked up the tier that i freaking did and i was like holy shit mm-hmm. the amount of cool stuff that you get even if it's just 30 dollars i mean it's a beautiful thing to throw money towards a kickstarter that you truly believe in anyway yeah. regardless and that's that's great yeah However, when you look at the goodies you get in each tier, yeah. subsequent your $10, it yeah. just makes it so much more worth it to do it. Why yeah. not? Well, see, and I totally love what, what, what Raz had said, because I watched uh, one of his, uh, I, I, uh, and, and if you don't know who Raz is, he's, 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 he's the big guy at Crazy Monkey Inc. He's, he's the, the guy one in charge. He runs the show. Um <laughs> And, uh, but I like, he had done one of his live videos, I think it was last week or the week before, but yeah. it, was, it was fairly recent. And, uh, and, and he had said that, uh, that, that, that he was, uh, like, um, a little leery about adding uh, extra incentives to this Kickstarter. But I love the analogy he used because he said that him and Brian talked with each other and what, and, and, and the way that Brian had explained it to him, and once again, it goes to show what an awesome guy Brian is. But he said that, he's like, no, no, no. When, you, when you're adding extra stuff to these Kickstarters, it's not so much like you're going out and you're just trying to mooch. That's not it at all. You know, this is basically more additive incentives to the fans, and think of it as like a round of high fives for everybody. Exactly. <laughs> and the incentive that he brings to the table for the $3,000 mark is such an amazing thing that you don't want to not throw money to it because mm-hmm. it's just such a beautiful thing, and... I recently got to read the original uh, Furious mm-hmm. from Dark Horse that Brian had written. Mm-hmm. I, I literally, like, when I first was talking to you about it, I was truly skeptical. And I'm mm-hmm. kicking myself in the face because at first I was like, okay, you make up this big old hype about Brian. He seems like he knows what he's doing because he's been in it a long time. And I know I'm sounding like the biggest asshole right now, but I'm making myself look like that to prove a point. When I finally got to read the original (laughs) Furious, I read it just last night, the whole thing. Holy shit. That comic and that... (laughs) Just the concept was amazing. I'd never read anything like it before, and I was blown away. I was like, holy cow, this is the kind of redemption story that people love to read. Exactly, and it goes back to, the thing is, is like, uh, and I've said this to people, 
Um, not everyone has believed me, but then when they go and they actually read this stuff, then they're like, oh, so this is what you mean. Me? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 I, and I always tell them, I was like, no, I was like, I was like, listen, you know, you may not, you may not think much of this now, but you read that and then you tell me the same thing after you've read it. And not one person that I've suggested that to, because you're not the only one, but not, uh, everyone I've suggested to it, told them to read it, not one of them has come back and said, you know, that sucks. None of them said that. Every single time I pointed that out to somebody, they will always come back to me and say, you know, you were right. <laughs> Do you want to know the biggest thing that caught my eye about Furious when I started reading it? Yeah. The dialogue. Oh, yeah. The, the, Brian really knows how to write excellent dialogue. And you and I have touched on this before in previous podcasts is... Um, you know, and, 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 and I think you probably see the parallels now since you've read his stuff and then you've also read my stuff. Yeah. Um, a lot of my dialogue choices come from the fact that I, uh, that I was, uh, you know, I was a following fan of Brian for a while. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and in fact, I got started reading his Mice Templar stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and a lot of the dialogue that he uses is, is, is stuff that, now I don't copy it, I do my own version of it because the whole thing is like when i'm using my dialogue that's you know that's that's dialogue that makes sense to me yeah that's may not, not it's not the exact same thing that brian's doing but you can tell you can at least tell this when you read my dialogue in my comic books and then you read something of brian's you can definitely tell oh okay i can see that that jared was influenced by brian exactly it's almost like a paralytic type of thing yeah and i love that because you read Furious, and I don't want to make it sound like this whole podcast is about Furious, but this is how much I love this comic. Yeah. This is how much I believe in what Brian has done with this particular comic. Mm. He has brought so much love and so much inspiration and given so much of himself to just this one comic that it just radiates off every page, and you realize... Okay, this is a character that could actually be a real person. Yeah. And it's and it's a person that you if you'd gone through a redemption process where before you were kind of an asshole yeah. and now you're doing everything in your power to get out of that image and to become better. Yeah. It totally speaks to you. Exactly, and oh, and I completely agree with that. And and as I'm saying, is that uh, you can definitely tell that no matter what story Brian does, because and, and this is no insult to other writers whatsoever, mm-hmm. but the praise I would give Brian is the fact you can tell that he puts his heart and his soul into every comic that he does. He, you can tell that that's coming from uh, it's coming from a personal place. That he's not just he's not just you know, writing this story that sounds great. He's he's writing he's he's writing this fantastic story, and he's and, and he's putting and inserting his own emotion into it. And I believe, and I know you believe the same thing, is when you put your own personal stories, when you put your own personal heart and your heartaches and your heartbreak and your joy and all the emotion that you've mm-hmm. felt into your story. It resonates. It speaks to the person reading it, and that's yeah. what you want to do with the comic. You want to move the reader. You oh, want yeah. to grab them and get them yeah. incentivized into yeah. your comic. So for the rest of the time of them reading, nothing else matters but that comic. 
you know, and, 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 and I definitely like that point, and, and, I, and I definitely agree with you. Um, and, and that's what I'm saying is that uh, you got to put your own personality into it, and, and you've got to put your own heart into it because uh, because the whole thing is, is it's going to seem fake if you don't. I mean, the whole thing is is that you can tell the most fantastic story in the world, but if but if nobody identifies with anybody in it, or even maybe the core story itself. Then people are going to be like, oh, you know, I mean, uh, I, I, I don't, you know, um, uh, okay. uh, and uh, the thing is, I just wanted to point out is just that, yeah, it becomes a lot more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not authentic, but, um, personal, um, real, it, it, it feels, it, it, you know, if you can identify with the character, the story becomes much more real to you, um, so the thing is, is that um, so the thing is, is that uh, um, you're not going to be able to identify with a character that that you feel like doesn't experience the same kind of emotions that you do and doesn't and hasn't gone through a similar trial. You, you know, not that you don't want to sympathize with them, but you just you just can't. You know, all of us who are fans of a certain uh, kind of story or whatever, mm -hmm. we identify with them in a certain way. Um, so somewhere in that story, we personally were like, you know, I can see myself in that situation and I can totally relate to the character that's in that. And what's interesting is one of the biggest... Um, motivators for getting a reader to sympathize or empathize with the characters within the story is loss. Exactly. Loss is actually a big thing, especially in comic books. Uh, and I don't care which <laughs> kind of comic book it is, whether it's a superhero comic book or, or it's a completely non-superhero comic book. Yeah. Um, the whole thing is, is loss is a big thing, uh, you know, um, but once again, people can identify with loss. Interestingly enough, as 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 funny as it is to to point this out, and as, and maybe even as sad as it is to point this out, the thing is is that many people can identify with loss. That's why you have stories like even even like like like. Most people can identify with the loss of Uncle Ben when 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 Spider Man lost him in in, in the in the Spider Man comic books. Yeah. Uh, most people can identify with the fact that Bruce Wayne lost his parents. You know, because mm -hmm. many people have lost their parents. Exactly. Um, you know, uh, it's it's one of those things that personal tragedy is one of those things that many people can relate to, and. Sadly, more often than not, from what I've seen, and once again, this is just my own experience I'm talking from, mm -hmm. um, but from what I've seen, more often than not, you actually have more people who identify with that kind of situation than to basically say, oh, here's the people who've got the lovely, happy home life. And, you know, it's interesting that you note that because not a whole lot of people do have the happy home life where everything is roses and petals and everybody effing gets along. Oh, That's yeah. not how that works. Well, and plus, I mean, and let's be honest, that wouldn't make for exciting stories. It, it, it really wouldn't because you'd, like, get to the third issue and you'd be like, all right, next. Yeah, it's like, listen, okay, I don't need to <laughs> read about, you know, uh, you know, Mon Pa Stevenson and, and how they built that white picket fence for their neighbors, you know? Yeah, the, the, this isn't a little house on the damn prairie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, 
Oh uh, yeah, yeah, uh, and that's that's what I'm saying, and that's actually also make comic books a, a great medium. Oh, and anyway, I'm gonna segue off a bit, no, but I, I wanted to touch on this because it's actually something's really cool. Um, one person whose career I've been following has been Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, and I love like and, and if you guys don't know who Brian Michael Bendis is, first off, I'm gonna feel really sorry for you. <laughs> if you're any type of comic writer, yeah. creator, producer. And you do not know who Michael Bendis is. Brian Michael Bendis, yep. You have an issue that exactly. needs to be rectified immediately. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, uh, Bendis is, is a great creator. Anyway, he had a long, awesome run over at Marvel. Anyway, the big news that I like, and I've, and I've actually been reading this stuff because I read the miniseries I had leading up to the big main series. Yeah. Um, uh, is that Brian Michael Bendis is taking over the writing of Superman and and of Action Comics, and that and they led into that with the Man of Steel miniseries, which was all throughout the last month. Exactly, and I love the Man of Steel series because it shows you a version of Superman that you don't really get to see a whole lot. And I feel that that had to happen as kind of like a prologue to what's going to be coming now for the readers and the lovers of Superman to realize that this is a new step forward for Superman and this is what it's going to entail. So here's your prologue. Merry Christmas. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Is and, and, he, and he's a good he's a good uh, person that way because he knows how to do an awesome setup. Because uh, yeah, you know, and this is going to contain spoilers. So if it, none of you want to have spoilers for the Man of Steel series uh, leading into the Superman action comic stuff, you might want to skip ahead a few minutes through this podcast. Um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, in the um, in in the Man of Steel miniseries, um, in the Man of Steel miniseries, uh, what had happened was that um, um, there was a new villain that got introduced by the name of Rogal Czar. Uh-huh. And what had been found out was that Rogal Czar was actually the one responsible for the destruction of Krypton. Um and, uh, and, and, and I love it because they've been laying little hints throughout each issue. Mm-hmm. And even I don't know how they're gonna, uh, how they're gonna solve this whole thing yet, um, because they only give you little teeny bits of information in each issue. See, just that's enough, good. Just, well, yeah, just enough as an incentive to basically you like, okay, I gotta see what happens in the next issue, blah, 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 blah. It's like and, constant cliffhanger. You're just yeah. like, what's next? What's next? What's next? But, but you find out, you do, <laughs> this is what you do know. Somehow, Rogozar felt that the Kryptonians um, had become a virus or a plague on the universe. Basically, kind of yeah. like a threat to yeah. what he wanted. And and he and yeah and and he felt that there was no way to redeem or save them, and that basically the best way was to kill them all and destroy any planet that they had infected. Um, and uh, and anyway, um, so so pretty much that that's that's the whole thing you find out about it. And uh, uh, you know, Superman and Supergirl end up banishing him to the Phantom Zone. Yeah. And but the whole thing is, you know, it's not over yet. No. So yeah, because this is what's leading into the newer issues. So what you, what you're getting here though is that basically Superman, um, 
somewhere in his past has, has been lied to. That that the destruction of Krypton was not what he thought it was. Um, True. And 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 uh, but then you also don't know Rogalzar's story. You know that he hates the Kryptonians, and you know that he wants to destroy them. But you don't know why. Yeah, yeah. But they haven't revealed what what it was that totally dead dead set him against. Um, all of Krypton. And that's what we're going to get with yeah. the subsequent issues of this new oh, Superman. Oh, yeah, oh, well, both Superman and action comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually, and because I guess it's becoming a, a big thing and seeping out into the other stories, you're actually going to get uh, bits of it in, in the upcoming, uh, in some of the upcoming issues of Supergirl as well. Yeah, they're uh, going to be segueing actually the Supergirl into the new Superman series, mm-hmm. which I think is a fantastic thing. Oh, yeah, awesome. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, and then, and, and I love, I'm loving to see how the story unfolds. And, and, I, and I've watched um, an interview with, uh, with Brian Michael Bendis recently. And, um, and, 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 and they were actually asking him about, like, why he took on Superman and why he wants to do the Superman books. Um, and, uh, and one of the things Brian Michael Bendis said was that, was that, was, he was funny. It was funny because he's actually kind of similar to me. Is that uh, so many people, and 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 I, and I know yourself included, and this is not a slight against you, but more more people, more often than not, when people will go and read a DC book, more people are more for Batman than they are for Superman. Yeah. Um, it's but, like a it's like a coin. You're either yeah. for one or the other. You can't be for both because. Uh, Oh no! no God, not, God, you know, God forbid that you enjoy both. I know because you know <laughs> who the hell does that? Yeah, but but, but anyway, <laughs> uh, but I noticed more people have their preferences, and uh, and like with me though, I was actually on the opposite side. I actually was more of a Superman guy than I was a Batman guy. I loved them both. I mean, you know, I don't want people to get me wrong on that. I loved them both, but I always found myself actually relating more to Superman, and not in the fact that he was a super ultra powered guy, just more personally and emotionally, I could relate to. Superman. And what, what's interesting is we had touched on this topic last podcast, but I want to retouch on it because yeah. I feel that it it makes sense. Yeah. And it needs to be reiterated because a lot of people don't realize this. Superman is way more relatable and way more down to earth, no pun intended, yeah. than Batman. And, and and once again, and this is no slight to Batman because so for Batman's all the Batman fans out there who have got your knives out, yeah, the whole thing calm is, the hell down. Yeah, calm the hell down. And the whole <laughs> thing is, is, no, listen, I'm not saying that there's nobody who can relate to Batman, but the whole thing is, is think about it. I mean, <coughs> um, you have to be a very dark, brooding person to be able to relate to Batman. Reason why, and, and I know exactly what you're getting at, why Superman actually is, in, in our opinions, more relatable, yeah. is that Superman is your everyman. Once again, yes, I'm excluding powers, because yes, we know he's an ultra-powerful guy, but here's the whole thing. But you take all take, that away. Put, put, put personality-wise. Personality-wise, yeah. who is Clark Kent? Clark Kent is your everyman. Clark Kent is a guy who was raised with good old-fashioned American values. Mm-hmm. He he was a guy who was raised on a farm. He he knew how to work with people. He knew how to talk with people. He um, got that work the, ethic down at an early age. Yeah, yeah. He had a really great work ethic. He was a he was a great all-American country boy. 
Um, and, and, and that's what I'm saying, is that, uh, and that's why he's a, a lot more relatable to a lot more people, because more people are actually on that scale. And once again, <clears throat> this is no slight to anybody who identifies more on the Batman end, but that, but, but like I said, Batman is, is, he's, he's not what you would call, because once again, here's the difference. Superman with Clark Kent is that, is that Superman is actually the disguise. Yeah. Clark Kent is who he is. Mm-hmm. Clark Kent's always been who Superman <clears throat> is. And what's interesting uh, is that Batman, Batman yeah, yeah, with Batman. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You, you, you hit the nail right on the head on that one. Is that Batman is flipped on that one because the thing is, Batman is who he really is. Yeah. Bruce Wayne is the disguise. And what's interesting is he would rather be, and this is where it differentiates in a huge... Huge way. Yeah. Bruce Wayne would rather be Batman yeah. than Clark Kent be Superman. Exactly. The whole thing is, is that, uh, <laughs> the whole thing is, is as I said, um, <clears throat> they're, they're flipped in their secret identities. Is that, as I said, Clark Kent wants to be Clark Kent. Exactly. And he's only Superman because he needs a public face to be able to do all those amazing things so that people don't hound the hell out of him. Yeah, and he's not running away from a past. Yeah, and that's and, exactly what Batman is doing. And Batman, and Batman, if he could, <clears throat> the thing is, if he could, if he could be Batman twenty four seven, he would do that and not even bother with the Bruce Wayne stuff. But he has he in his mind he has to put up with the Bruce Wayne stuff. But but it's the truth. Yeah. He has to put up with it because because there you know where's the cash flow going to come from? There's he the, there's needs the public money. That's what I'm saying. Well, he needs money to be able to fund all the gadgets that he makes for himself. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and that whole public eye thing is a, is a big thing yeah. to him. And if he loses that public image, yeah. Batman is no more. Exactly. With Clark Kent, he can lose the Superman ideology ego, and he's still Clark Kent. He still is, but, the, but his big problem... Goes goes in in this direction is that if uh, and there's another reason why it's important that he has a secret identity is that if um, if, if, if Superman is revealed if Superman and Clark Kent are revealed to be one person the whole thing is is then he has to worry about people hounding his family people hounding him all the time and people following him to work and 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 doing all this stuff. the whole point is, is it'd be like it'd be like with most people in celebrities yeah it'd be that he would never ever get a moment to himself i mean and that's exactly what i think about it he's got a fortress of solitude that's that's pretty much cool. that's pretty much Superman's way of saying okay I'm getting away from all this craziness. And what's interesting is uh, if people were to find out, and they have in various story arcs, mm-hmm. who Batman is, it wouldn't really hurt his reputation a whole lot, except for with the villains. And even with that, it wouldn't really like scar him for life type well, shit. Well, let me put it this way: he'd still have all the skills that he had. The, what what yeah. would be damaging though is this, and and this is what would be bad. It would damage the Wayne name, and then people would automatically stop funding Wayne Enterprises. Mm-hmm. He would have no money. And it'd tank. And it'd, t- it'd tank. He, he said he'd have no money, he'd have no funds, and he'd basically, he, he's a, he'd basically be uh, pretty much a homeless man with ninja skills uh, prowling around the dark alleys of the city. Exactly. And the really funny thing, 
and please don't get pissed off when I say this because it really is actually kind of hilarious. Yeah. Batman has everything to lose. Yeah. Superman, not, not so, so much. much. No, no, that's <laughs> it. Superman is more of a privacy issue. Yeah. But here's the whole thing. You're right. Superman won't lose everything if his identity's revealed. Nope. No, what would just happen is the typical superhero thing is that basically then people would start coming after his loved ones. Yeah. And it would just be harder for him to protect them. Now, um, with Batman, you said he's, uh, he's got more everything to lose because of the fact that if Bruce Wayne is found out to be Batman, then they'll find out where all those extra funds are going in Wayne Enterprises, mm -hmm. and then basically the company would tank, confidence in the company would tank, and as I said, you'd have Bruce Wayne wandering around as a homeless ninja in the uh, alleys of Gotham City. Exactly. Without his gadgets, and they constantly getting his ass kicked. <laughs> well, actually, no. He's got skills. He's got he's got his martial arts skills. In this case, it's not so much his gadgets because the, it, I will give uh, Batman this full credit. He's skilled enough without his stuff. He doesn't need his gadgets to kick an ass. Okay, well, I um, understand that. But, uh, but, 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 but what I'm saying is, but what it, what's bad is he needs the funds to be able to constantly keep doing it. Yeah. The money helps him to fight crime because he's always got that flow that he can put into as the gadgets and maybe even more training and maybe even uh, helping him take down the bad guys. Mm -hmm. Te technology to help him do that. Um it's not that he can't do that if he has that all taken away. True. He's still got his skills, but the problem is he wouldn't have the funds to be able to go dead. Basically, you have to like track down every criminal on foot. And in the whole wide world, that would be a very hard task to do, to be able to track every criminal down on foot. And that'd be so much fun. Yeah. Um, to segue a bit, and we'll get back to this because I want to touch more on this. Oh, no to, problem. To segue a bit on something I would love to talk about because I really, really enjoy mm -hmm. um, this particular topic. I really enjoy the fact that when you get down to the nitty-gritty of comics, it really isn't so much the comic that you're falling in love with. You're more falling in love with the creator-writer who has brought you this medium that you enjoy so much. As creepy as that sounds, it actually is a thing. Well, I think they kind of go hand in hand. You you do initially fall in love with the creation first. Mm -hmm. yeah. But, one, and this is one of the great things about nowadays, and I love the fact that people do this, because for those who don't know, back in the old days of comics, sadly, nobody cared who the writer was. Nobody cared who the artist was. They nope. just cared about the characters. They... They wanted their Superman, their Batman, their their uh, their Spider-Man. You know, they they, they 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 didn't care who the creators were. Exactly. Um, but then, about the mid to late '60s, that started to change a little bit, and especially in especially coming up to the '90s, like especially when Image hit, that was when people really started to care about who the creators were. Um, and 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 I totally agree with you on that. Is that uh, um um. Basically, now what'll happen is they'll fall in love with the creation, and then they'll see, oh, who created it, and they're like, oh, okay, I'm not going to follow this person's stuff. So I love this so much, I, I, you know, I'm sure that I'll love the other stuff that they do. Exactly. Because I look at it this way, when you had given me a couple of issues yeah. of Tokyo Ghost by Rick Remender, 
I was like, okay, this is really, really cool. And then I got the first graphic novel of the first the first five or six. Yeah. And then I read that. And then I started researching the other stuff that he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got I just got the very first graphic novel of Deadly Class, which is freaking amazing. Um, I got Tokyo Ghost. Uh, you just barely got low, the first graphic novel for Low. And yeah. you really start to, in a way fall in love with the creator because you realize without the imagination of the creator, you would not be reading this fantastic piece of art, this masterpiece. Exactly. The, the, the thing is, is you fall in love with the creations, as I said, um, but then you fall in love with the creators. It goes hand in hand. Um, but, uh, but no, I love the fact that you brought up, like, say, like, uh, like Rick Remender because, because of the fact that, uh, you know, um, because um, you and I, I think, had kind of discovered him around the same time. Yeah. But then, you know, but then there was be some certain stuff from Rick Remender that you hadn't read that I'd show you. But then there was stuff like a, that that Rick Remender that you had read that that I hadn't seen yet, and you'd show me. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, like, like uh, one that I got you into recently was was I'd gotten you into I got you into Black Science, which is awesome. Yeah. And 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 you said, oh, you didn't know about that one from him, and then and then yeah, you started getting that stuff, and then and then. Just just earlier today, you had gotten me into Low, which I didn't know about. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and then that's a really awesome one too. So I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like a, you know. But once again, you and I have both found out, especially with in terms of recommender stuff, is that um, is that he's is is that he's he's got a wonderful imagination. Oh, he does. Uh, he does. I mean, and and, and he's <laughs> so good at, at all these different genres. One of the ones that I think he just excels at, and he doesn't get a whole lot of credit for it, but he's just so great in it, is that Rick Remender is so good when it comes to the sci-fi genre. He really is, and the imagination and the things that are painted on the pages of his comics, it's just like, you can't help but be in awe of like, holy crap, this is... This is the mind of Remender? Holy balls. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. It's like, no, and I, and I, listen, and I love the fact that you're talking about this, but, yeah, just uh, indie creators in general, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's there's many people that, that I've gotten to like who have been indie creators. I mean, we, uh, I mean, I mean, hell, we've mentioned him, and, uh, and he's... Uh, um, and, and he has done stuff for some of the other big companies, but uh, but like some of the some of the stuff that I discovered from uh, from Brian J. L. Glass, uh, as I'm telling you, like with the Mice Templar stuff, you know, I was done with image, mm-hmm. and, and and yeah, and see, and that's what I'm saying. I I ended up getting to like his stuff, um, and there's even other creators I've gotten to like re- uh, gotten to like recently who I hadn't discovered in like um, another one that you and I both like, and we ended up discovering a lot of stuff. And especially because it's so freaking hilarious, this series, this series the, the Skull Kicker stuff is Jim Sub. Oh, Jim Sub is, oh, he's a fucking master. It's amazing. Like, the stuff that Jim Zub has done, especially, and I'm going to touch on this because mm-hmm. not only has Jim Zub done amazing stuff on his own, when he does Conan and Red Sonia with Gail Simone. Yes. Holy Shit, it's amazing. One for those who don't know, and he did an awesome run on this, and it was freaking awesome, and it was over at IDW. But Jim Zub did an awesome run on the Samurai Jack comic book series. He really did, and it just like it, it took off. Yeah. Oh, I, it, I mean, uh, sadly, it only lasted twenty issues. But my God, were they all good? Every single one of those was good. I it, for those who haven't bought it yet. Um, 
you can either get uh, they either got four volumes in trade or 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 in the trade paperback or um, you can there's an omnibus they came out with mm -hmm. which collects. All 20 issues of Jim Zub's run of Samurai Jack. Depending on your financials. Yeah. <laughs> because with yeah. me, um, I would rather get the graphic novels because an omnibus is like, it, it's like 80 to 100 and something odd dollars for an omnibus, but to get a graphic novel, it's only 10 to 16 dollars depending on how much it is. Mm -hmm. Um, which is Ugh. like 1 to 5, 1 to 6 issues. In the series. Mm -hmm. And plus, I I personally, I don't know about you, but I don't want to carry this freaking god-awful, huge college-bound omnibus when uh -huh. I could as easily carry five to six issues around, read that, and then go to the next graphic novel, read that, and then by the time I'm all done, I've got my mini-omnibus right here, and then I can just pick and choose which... Um, which issues I want to read over again instead of having to worry about well, is this omnibus going to yeah. get damaged? You know, is it you know is it going to get torn? All this other crap. Well, you can you know. at least at least in my experience this I have experience carrying big bulky books. Well, as yeah. you know, of course. Um, here's here's the thing: if you take care of your omnibuses the same way you take care of your individual issues or even your smaller graphic novels, no, I mean they're just as easy to take care of. Uh, the thing is, it's like, uh, at least for me, at least for me, because, um, no, I can carry around a big freaking omnibus, and, and here, it just comes down to this, is that, because um, sometimes this will happen, and this is why sometimes I like to get omnibuses, is that um, with <coughs> uh, with some of the graphic novels, I notice this will happen sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, is that you'll get a volume that'll come out, you want to purchase it. And then the second volume will come out, and you want to purchase that, but you don't have quite the funds yet, so you have to wait till maybe like a, a further payday on, payday on the road. Yeah, you that payday comes up, and then all of a sudden, the volume two is not available anymore. So you get the omnibus to bypass all of that heartache, and you get yeah. all of it at a one shot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and that you makes get the sense. whole entire freaking story. And and as I said. In terms of taking care of it, and, and once again, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience, in terms of taking care of it, taking care of a big, fat book is no more different than taking care of a smaller book. The only difference is, is that one is heavier. Well, yeah, and plus I don't want to look like I'm constantly going to a comic college. Well, why not? <laughs> I mean, I, I would think that that would be awesome. I mean, you'd look all scholarly and stuff. I mean, hell, you know, I want one of those big, fat books just so I can... Plop that down and look like freaking Gandalf doing research. You don't have the hair for Gandalf. Oh, you know what? I'm Baldolf. <laughs> You're Baldolf. That's right. There are bald wizards too, you know. That's right. I just can't think of any of the names right now. I know. <laughs> kind of bigotry coming from you now. That's right. <laughs> anyway. We have, we have fun here. We do. Which brings up an amazing point, and I would love your input on this. What is it? They are going to be making, in the near future, I believe it's next year, and I really need to get your opinion on this because the first one was, it was okay, but I want to see what they have in store for the next one. Black Panther 2 is supposed to be coming out next year. I got to see the very first Black Panther, and while I like the story... Mm -hmm. I love what Black Panther is. I love 
his story and his drive. And, you know, I love what the whole story encompasses. The movie, it didn't give the respect to the comic and the, and the creature, which is Black Panther, that it could have. Now, do I see Black Panther 2 giving more of a precedence to what Black Panther really is and what he's all about? We'll have to see. But I want to get your opinion and to see exactly what your view is on Black Panther and do you see it evolving in the, in the MCU whereas opposed to the other predecessors like other Marvel MCU movies. Corey Ruhepler's opinion does not reflect that of CMI. <laughs> not really. Anyway. But I want to okay, get your but, opinion uh, on it. But in all seriousness, <laughs> in all seriousness um, you know, here's the problem I've been having just with movies in general. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I I don't know if I'm the right person to, to maybe ask this to, but I'll, but I will give my take on it. Is that to be clear, I haven't watched a really big superhero movie in several years. I'll be completely honest with with all the viewers here, and it's it's not because I hate superheroes. I mean, hell, we just spent a huge segment of this talking about Superman, <laughs> um, but. What it comes down to is I just feel oversaturated with superhero movies. Because um, you and I are of a different generation than probably, like, I mean, you know, there's probably a good amount of our listeners that are, that are older, but, they're, but, 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 you know, but there might be younger viewers tuning, tuning in, and for them, they, they, they might not understand this, but it's like when we were kids, when we were kids, we would get a superhero movie, like, once, maybe every three or four years, and we looked forward to it, um, and we looked forward to it. Well, and, and then and then it felt more like an event. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, it just seems like you got a superhero like you got a superhero movie like once every month or so, um, maybe once every two months. But the whole point is like you got like at least a grand total seven to eight superhero movies a year, um, and that is oversaturation. From both, from, that, from both companies because you got like. DC movies and Marvel movies and freaking uh, just w- whatever superhero company wants to throw their hat in the ring. Exactly. Uh, uh, you know, it's like uh, it, just, it just to me it feels oversaturated, and so uh, I'll full on admit to you, I didn't actually go and watch Black Panther, not not based on who the character was because I actually like the character. I've read the comic books. Yeah. And and I think he's a pretty awesome pretty decent character. I love the fact that he's this technologically advanced society. Um but but for me, I I, I really have not seen a superhero movie to thrill me uh, you know probably well, let's see. Since what, Superman? Um no um, or is it more that, recent than that? No, no, way more recent than that. Cause I, oh, cause okay. I, cause I love the Tim Burton Batman movies, and, oh, I, did, yeah. and I, did, I did like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. And I'll admit, I actually did like Man of Steel with Henry Cavill. Man of Steel was awesome. Yeah. Um, Seriously. Uh, I'm just trying to remember what the last uh, superhero movie was that I Deadpool? watched. Deadpool? <laughs> actually, that's true. The last thing I watched, the only thing that actually excited me recently was the Deadpool movies. And Deadpool, and, I, and I watched, and I've watched both of them, and yeah. I thought both of them were great. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were the last ones I watched. Uh, uh, prior to that, prior to anything Deadpool, the last sort of like 
and, and, and not spoof superhero or, or funny superhero or just straight out superhero movie, uh, he was a superhero movie I'd watched was probably Doctor Strange. Okay, yeah. Doctor Strange was like the last one I watched. And uh, after that, it was just kind of like, you know, as I said, I just felt oversaturated in it. And, and so my personal opinion, and I can only go off of what the people have told me, yeah. is... Is that uh, with with the Black Panther movie? It sounded like it did well, but I guess uh, once again, I guess it depends on who you ask. Mm-hmm. Some were telling me that there were inconsistencies, and then some were telling me that oh, this is the best superhero movie ever. Yeah. So I can't give you a definitive opinion on that just because I haven't seen it. Okay. So I don't really know whether I can uh, whether I can say that definitively or not because I don't know what happened. Never seen the movie. I don't know what happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so I have no I have no context. Um, the only context I have is the comic books, and I can tell you, comic books full on recommend the comic books. Black yeah. Panther comic books are kick ass. Buy really, those up. They're really good. <laughs> um, one more thing before we get back to what we were talking about, I want to retouch on the sexism in the comic books and, oh yes and and the interesting thing and the interesting thing is the reason as to why i bring this up is because you see these comic movies come out mm-hmm. okay and everybody's totally on board for the men as comic book superheroes exactly. fucking amazing they're awesome mm-hmm. you throw a female superhero into the mix and it's almost like oh my god why are you giving her any type of credit and yeah. that bugs me. Uh, one thing I actually want to throw into the mix in this one is you're actually starting to see a rise <clears throat> in really great female characters. You really and are. I love, and I love this because uh, one, one of my favorite superhero movies, and actually, wait, I can now go back and say I definitely watched another one, is Wonder Woman. Loved Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was awesome. Wonder Woman kicked ass. Awesome movie. Haven't seen it. Go watch that. One of the best DC movies they've had since probably the Tim Burton Batmans. Mm-hmm. Um, um, anyway, um, um, like you said, like, uh, you have, you have Wonder Woman, really awesome, strong female character, um, and I hear that Marvel is going to be doing a Black Widow movie pretty soon. I'm actually really excited about that. Yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to that as well. And, uh, and then also I hear that, um, um, in a uh, that uh, that they may actually have a uh, a Red Sonia movie in the works, and they're also talking about Scarlet Witch as a yeah. movie as well. Scarlet Witch, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what I'm saying. I want to see I want to see movies that are, are all inclusive like that. No, because I mean I like the fact that uh, I like the fact that uh, that now we're now embracing diversity. I like the fact that oh now we have uh, movies that have. Not only white heroes, but we have uh, we have Asian heroes, we have African American heroes, we have women heroes. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like I like the fact that they're going there, um, and and and, uh, and 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 you're all right. The, it seems like so many times, and and it's just I guess old school fanboys I go back to again is a lot of people hate change. Now a lot of people don't realize that. Change is many times necessary. Whether you like it or you don't like it, it's many times necessary because if you stagnate, you go nowhere. It's a step forward instead yeah. of going back. And yeah. I believe as much as you say that, and I totally agree with you, yeah. it's almost like they want to stay in this stagnation because 
if anything comes that's new that they don't agree with, it's automatically, no, I don't like this. I don't care how great it does at the box office. It sucks ass because I said so. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, uh, I had I had had a recent, uh, I wouldn't say argument, but debate with someone. Yeah. Um, and... Um, and, and once again, I, I just I just let it go. We were we were still friends at the end of the conversation, and everything and, and everything. But it, but it brings a parallel to this. Is I was trying to talk to someone about um, uh, about how how in my opinion uh, alcohol doesn't impair who you are. It just all, all it does is take your inhibitions away. Um, and uh, and anyway. Um, and once again, I'm not going to name names because I, I totally love, respect, and appreciate this person. Mm-hmm. But the only reason I bring it up is because um, is because we ended up getting into that kind of debate. Was mm-hmm. was was they? You know, I, I mean, I, I told them I totally understood why they saw things that way, mm-hmm. but they were just not listening to my end because they would always. Interject their, interject their opinion and, and, and just basically say, oh, but you see this and this and this whole thing. And, and so I just eventually gave it up. Yeah. I eventually gave it up. But here's the cool thing, and this show we were both adults, is that we were able to walk away from the conversation, we agreed to disagree, and, and we're still very good friends. And what's interesting, I feel with a lot of people, even within just the comic medium, is you can have an uh, an agree to disagree mm-hmm. and still continue to do comics. I've seen so mm-hmm. many relationships get botched and screwed and fucked over because one person wasn't going to secede and say, "Okay, yeah, we're going to be stubborn." Uh, you're going to feel how you feel, and I'm going to feel how I feel. But at the end of the day, yeah. we're still going to come together and yeah. make a freaking awesome comic. Exactly. The whole thing is is like uh, this is to me what is the difference between. Having the mentality of a child and having the mentality of an adult. Exactly. An adult knows when to let something go. An adult knows that that in in certain cases, a friendship and and even um, and and even being decent to people is more important than being correct. And your damn ego. And your damn ego. Exactly. Um, and and here's the whole thing. Does that mean that you stop believing what you believe? No, not at all. And see, this is where people always get it wrong and will always get into a full-on argument. Is that, no, I am not saying give up your position. I'm not saying that at all. You believe what you want to believe. But don't sit there and be insulted and and hate someone just because they happen to have a, a different opinion. If they're being respectful about it... Yeah. I mean, you have no reason to be pissed off at them. Yeah, and going it, back and forth and bickering like yeah. little children just makes you both yeah. look like a bunch of assholes. Now, here's, you know, now once again, it, you know, there is certain periods where it's it's time to cut something off. I mean, here's the thing. If that person's clearly not listening to you, and that person is insulting you and basically making you look like you are an idiot, yeah, yeah I say drop that person. Don't be friends with them anymore. Kick their ass out. I exactly. Mean, exactly. You shouldn't have to deal with that kind of crap. Oh yeah, uh, but uh, but in most cases, if it's just a simple misunderstanding, which most times uh, it is, what in is? all actuality? Yeah, I would say a huge percentage of the time, this is not people being like, "I'm a hateful bastard," and. Uh, <laughs> And and, and, and and I'm going to sit here and make you look like an idiot. Because clearly, no, you know. No, I mean, no, what it really comes down to, 
What it really comes down to is the fact that most of the time it's usually misunderstanding and the thing could easily be resolved if both people would just walk away and basically and basically just say, okay, listen, um, I may disagree and you may disagree, but we're both mature enough and we're both adults that, that we can be okay with the fact that we disagree. How many times in the past 20 plus years have you and I agreed to disagree yeah. and still remained friends? Exactly. This has happened plenty of times. I mean, that, that's what I'm saying. You and I, over the years, have had our disagreements, and and you know, and 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 we weren't going to give up our position on anything. But at the same time, we never once said, "Because you made this stance, I hate you for life, and I'm never going to be your friend again." Yeah. Lose my number. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we, we, we're not that. We're not that petty. No. And. I feel that with, I believe with the context of this whole part of the segment is the fact that it is totally okay to agree to disagree on something as long as you leave it at that. Well, as long as you're respectful. Yeah. You're both respectful of each other, like basically, like basically, okay, we obviously don't agree on the subject, but we're not going to be insulting about it. Yeah. The whole thing is, is yeah, you can still easily remain friends and uh, and and just have that disagreement. Um, and uh, and then the whole thing is, is no, the only where the only time it becomes intolerable, and the only time it is time to maybe sever ties and with, with, some, with, some, with with some of the people you know, is yeah, exactly. Which and it's 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 when the other person starts to become insulting. If they start to attack you personally because of your opinion on something, then that's when it's time to cut off that relationship. And it, it's interesting that you say that because so many times you have two people on a position on one specific topic, and it's just like neither of them want to secede, neither of them want to agree, but they want to constantly bicker and attack each other. That's when you're taking who you are as a person and you're setting it aside and saying, I'm right, screw you, I don't respect you anymore. And it's just like, well, why does that have to be a thing? Well, exactly. It's like what we covered it's on before. It's insulting. Oh, exactly. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. It goes back to what we said before, is that... Is that basically what you are saying without actually even saying it? It's just it's just pretty much in actions, not your words. But what you're saying in actions is that my being right is much more important than actually being respectful to you. And that's not right. Yeah, uh, that's the whole thing. Is that basically and it shows that the respect that the respect on you was only based on the fact that your opinion matched theirs. Segwaying off of this topic because yeah, it's okay. I love the fact that we have covered this because it really is important to understand that as creators, it is totally okay to have a difference of opinion in the vision as long as when the opinions are stated and they're thrown to the side, you continue on with the project. Oh yeah, exactly, uh, and it happens in the professional world too. I mean, I know plenty of people. There's there's uh, and there's plenty of people I've met over the years, um, 
Half of them have been cool, awesome people, and then the other half have been people that I probably don't ever want to sit down and maybe have a cup of coffee with them. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you know, it, it happens with everybody, but you know, different personalities. But, uh, but for the most part, I think that what's important in the comic industry, in the comic world, is that you're all supportive of each other. I mean, we should be... We should be on the same team, you know. We're all comic creators trying to lift each other up in the industry and 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 you know and tell people good stories, um, and show people good art. Um, and you know the thing is, is I think too many people get caught up in egos, just as we talked about before. Oh yeah. And and the big problem is, is that you know you have so many people that. If you're not struck in the ear, you go, they have no time for you. I hate that shit. Yeah, yeah. And the whole thing is just, listen, I don't mind giving somebody praise, especially if I like them. Oh, yeah. Um, but, to, but, 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 but at the same time is if your friendship with me is dependent on me making, uh, you know, me just sitting there kissing your ass, I don't think we're going to get along that well. It's not going to be um, the lifelong friendship that you think it's going to yeah. be. Yeah. No, usually if I if I end up being friends with somebody, it's just because we usually have like minds and uh, and and we've agreed on some and subjects. I mean, you know, um, like uh, I had had personally met. Uh, 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 I didn't actually get to meet him, meet him, but uh, but when I, but when I had started talking with him and, and gained a sort of a rapport with him was uh, when I when I uh, was when I started talking with Brian Jail Glass. And uh, and what happened was the way that that, that developed was that uh, was that I had I had uh, added him to my friends list on Facebook yeah. and uh, and and I would just and I would just kind of follow his posts and see what he and see the stuff he was talking about. I mean, one of the things I liked is the segment he does was with the Daily Nog. Yeah, um, that's funny. And yeah, yeah, and it's always just a yo know, hilarious misadventures of of the of, of the little skeleton that he has. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and then I would also listen to when he would just kind of uh, ask questions and offer commentary on stuff. And uh, and and then what happened was I would just kind of uh, send a post here or there on some of his stuff and basically mention something. Well, long story short, what happened was him and I started a dialogue with each other, yeah. and we started talking with each other. And 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 then the whole thing is is that uh, is that eventually got to the point where we were where we were talking on a regular basis, and we actually got to uh, got to be kind of like online friends. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and then, um, and then after that, that was uh, that was around the time when he was uh, was um, uh, uh, he had mentioned that he was looking for a publisher to do the second story arc of Furious. So he was shopping around in essence. Yeah, he was he was shopping around. Anyway, well, if I, I decided to take a shot, and I said, "What the hell." And I and then I decided to uh, yeah I decided to throw out the question I was like well hey um, have you tried Crazy Monkey Inc and I send him the link to our page mm-hmm. and um, and yeah to our Facebook page and and uh, he took a look at it he liked it and he and he basically wanted to know how he got in touch with the publisher and uh, and then I basically uh, and then I basically gave uh, I basically helped him and Raz. Um, start talking with each other, create a dialogue, and then they both, uh, and then they both actually ended up uh, like exchanging information, and and eventually started working on the deal that would become 
the 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 furious the the well what what is known now as Caden Clark is furious. Yeah, that started that that then started up the dialogue for it, which I'm yeah. extremely appreciative of you yeah. for because yeah. had you not done that, we as a company as Crazy Mountain Geek would not be bringing out this fantastic, gorgeously made comic. Uh, yeah, exactly, and uh, uh, but but also at the same time, what it, what it goes to show is, and, and this is going back with my point with uh, creating reform relationships with people, said, is that him and I got to be friends naturally. It was one of those things that him and I just saw that we saw eye to eye on a lot of things, and uh, and 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 I have never in my whole life, and I can honestly say this, I have never built a friendship based on the fact that I was kissing the other person's ass. I'll keep going. Okay, um, anyway, so yeah, I never based a relationship on basically whether, uh, I never started a relationship based on the fact that I was kissing somebody else's ass or they were trying to kiss mine. Oh, by the way, just a technical difficulty, we're back on track, sorry about that. Yeah. If you if you heard any inconsistencies in the podcast, unfortunately, yeah, we we're I guess we're retarded with these things. So. Just a little bit. Oh, uh, oh, oh, and uh, no offense, no offense. Once again, sorry, but anyway, <laughs> go on. Um, um, but yeah, it just it just going back to that. But I've never started relationships based on anything superficial. Yeah. The whole thing is, is like if we, if I became friends with somebody, whether it was just, uh, just, uh, just you know, personal friends or people I've met in the comic industry, it's because them and I have started a dialogue, and we ended up having so many things we can relate to. I mean, you know, uh, and I love this too. One of the ways I was able to actually become friends with the uh, friends with Dan Frega, um, and those of you who don't know who Dan Frega is. Uh, he used to work at Extreme Studios with Li- Rob Liefeld back in Image in the day, mm-hmm. and uh, it did a whole bunch of uh, um, uh, um, it did a whole bunch of stuff for him. One of them being Bloodstrike, um, and uh, anyway, um, uh, him and I had met at uh, Amazing Las Vegas Comic Con. Anyway, um, one of the few things I was able to start a dialogue with him was was the fact that him and I had a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Um, Dan Frega and I are both friends with Raz, who, as we know, Raz, guy who runs our company. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and then anyway, uh, but another thing, um, Dan Frega and I were able to um, able to uh, uh, sit there and kind of uh, uh, connect with was that I was telling him about the comic book that I did. And uh, and and he totally got the reference wide away because he he knew it was a Captain Harley that that he knew that he knew that Darum was inspired by was inspired by Captain Harlock, and and he kind of got the parallel and 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 that actually well that was nice to me because I loved that and I was like I was like oh wow you know who he is and he's like yeah you know he 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 knew about the show and he grew up watching the show so that's nice when you can get a creator the yeah. big time like that and be like oh yeah I totally fucking understand what you're coming from oh yeah exactly and that's how Dan Frega and I were able to connect was the fact that um what was 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 the fact that he also was a fan of Captain Harlock yeah um. 
And but but yeah, just with anybody, no no matter who it is. The whole thing is is that I like to base it off something genuine, like a love of something, or maybe we just happen to have a cool, hilarious, funny conversation. But uh, but never once, never once, I can honestly say this: have I ever made have have I ever made a friendship with somebody based on something completely superficial? Exactly. Now, <clears throat> along with that. Um, I'd like to wrap this up just a little bit. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that we need to touch on as far as future projects coming out? Yeah. Is there anything in August, hint, hint, oh, well, that we need to touch on? Well, well, I'll touch on that in just a minute. But you got to <laughs> tell people about uh, uh, about what you've been what you've been up to because I've been pointing this out to you. No, no, you tell people. Come on, people want to know. What's the progress on Taxi Cab Joe number two? <sighs> okay. <laughs> you twisted my arm. <laughs> anyway. Um, we will be 15 pages in to the 24-page um, issue of Taxi Cab Joe number two, which is going to be coming out in December of this year. And Gaspar is doing an, a phenomenal job. And this one, which is really, really funny, and I really love what he's doing, it seems a little more cartoony in stages. And it's actually really kind of funny. Oh, no, that's always really good when they when they have stuff like that. I mean, but then, you know, it's funny. It's like, and I've been seeing a lot more of his personality come out lately. It's like, yeah, no, I love it. The, the more we work with Gaspar, the more I kind of get to see his personality a little bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so we are, we are literally halfway there. Well, a little more than halfway, obviously. Yeah. And Mike Montalvo is lettering the first page and he's going to be doing the second the third and fourth page and i'm going to be getting him taken care of so that he can get the rest of the pages taken care of that i throw his way all in all tescap joe 2 is coming on beautifully and it's looking just absolutely gorgeous and it's looking twice as amazing as the first one and it's just got the imagery of say you read number three of Darum. And then you see the gorgeousness of number three. And then you look at number two for Tax Cab Joe. And you can just see the parallel in the amazing art that Gasper has brought to both of those issues. And yeah. I really, really enjoy the step up and the game yeah. that he has brought to our comics. Because you yeah. see his earlier stuff and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then you come years later to now... And it's like, holy cow! Oh, he, he has stepped up his game. He is tenfold. Oh, exactly. He's he's well. He's evolved as an artist, and that's great. That's what you should do. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and that segues into what what I was talking about in the fact that um, in the fact that uh, yeah, I mean, now that you got that going, um, I'm going to let the people know once once Gaspar is finished with all the pages of Taxi Cab Joe number two. Yeah. That is when he will start on Darum number four. So so we will have Darum number four starting to be worked on by either the end of this month or at least the beginning of August. Exactly. Now, um, I'm going to 
shorten up this podcast because it's gotten a little longer than I thought it was going to, but that's okay because we had a lot to talk about and we had a lot to cover, which is amazing. Yeah. I love it. Um, during the next podcast, I want to kind of touch on some more serious sides of comics and um, maybe some more implemental parts of comics that kind of maybe get looked over. Like, say, the coloring and lettering phase and how long it takes and maybe kind of the artistry and what... So to look forward to our next podcast, we're going to be going over the unsung heroes of comics. The, exactly. The, 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 people, the people that maybe don't get a whole lot of credit but should. Exactly. They're basically the ones that make the comic what it is. All right. So if you, if you want to know, and if you've ever listened to this, Mike Montalvo... Next next podcast is dedicated to people like you. Exactly. So, with that being said, Jared, thank you again for sitting down with us and doing this podcast. As always, it's a pleasure to have you. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I'm always happy to be here. So, you know, until next time. <laughs> until next time, you have a fantastic night. And as always, everybody, do something nice for somebody, lift somebody up, give them a hug, let them know that they're loved, let them know that they are worth it and that you cherish them because there's nothing in the world like having someone in your life that you can <clears throat> look forward to having a connection with. And as always, be excellent to each other and just do right by each other and have a wonderful night. And we will see you next Saturday. And be amazing. Good night, everyone. That's right. Bye.